This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com here i'm with uh my buddy robin forbes and rick castillo did i say that right you said it right man two l's grew up in new mexico and you know i got that that latin latino that now it's latinx have you heard this i have what as a as a latino person what do you feel about this new fake word it's like the non-binary thing right not like scribing you know masculinity or patriarchy correct even though spanish is a gendered language it is a gendered language white people woke white people have made up a new word latinx to, to non-gender, even though it's a gendered language. Uh, call me Latino. That's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whatever you, whatever people feel like uh, is the is the rolling notion in the, the, the ocean. I saw days. this article that said like three, only 3% of like Spanish speaking, native Spanish speaking people think that's a thing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Very, very low. I, I'm not offended. I, I think Latino, Latino is fine. So we're with Robin and Rick. <laughs> now, Robin, we go back quite a ways, partner. Yeah, good ways. I got two stories I want to bring up. The first one is I used to work at this IT company. This is like going back like eight, nine years. And uh, you used to own Shred Alaska, which everyone's seen the trucks and all in the businesses, the little garbage, Shred Alaska garbage cans. Absolutely. I think everybody knows about Shred Alaska. So we used to do your IT and you, you bought Shred Alaska, right? You didn't start it, you bought it. No, uh, yeah, I bought it in 2009. I was with them for five years and then continued to run it until the end of 2018. Now that's a business that you tell somebody you own Trade Alaska. Pretty much, probably everybody. Yeah, it knows seems what like it everybody is, right? knows what it is, and most people used us, and that yeah, was a great deal. So you bought it. You worked. You had worked there before, right? Yeah, I worked there for five years for the previous owners, and then took it over and became a local family business. And then you just sold it. Uh, what what year you said? End of two thousand eighteen, we sold it. Wow! So you're just tired of shredding. Tired of shredding. It's a different kind of business. <laughs> Is it ever like a joke, like I'm I'm shredding over here? You know? No, we'd always get the question about, you know, shred Alaska, that sounds cool. What do you guys do? Are you like a snowboard group? And no, we shred paper. Do you remember the idea I once had? We we were talking, Rick, this is this is what I thought was a brilliant idea and Robin thought was a fucking dumb idea. <laughs> I said, you got to hire, because there's documents and there's there's like hard drive. You, you guys would shred hard drives too. Oh, yeah. And you had this machine that would, so all these things that needed to be destroyed, um, they would do all that. And there's like legal requirements for some of this stuff. So I was talking about like rural Alaska, the bush. I go, you got to put one of these machines on like a C-130 and then fly around the state mobile shredding. Because they do mobile shredding, right? We do. Yeah. But you said, you said, uh, I think you said that was extremely prohibitively expensive. It's not going to be a cost effective (laughs) venture. But you're welcome to give that a shot. (laughs) It's a C-130. Yeah, right. No big deal. So... Other other Robin Forbes story, which I'm sure you remember vividly. This is before I think I think I knew you or I knew I, I knew you kind of. You knew me a little bit. Soccer. You didn't know my wife yet. Didn't know your wife yet. <laughs> so, so we're playing soccer, and you guys are on a different team, and we were playing your team, right? No, 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 no. You were at soccer, and she was at soccer. It was a uh, it was a weeknight game. So, so I we, was at home when that but, whole thing took place. Were, were, were we playing? No, no. Are each other, those teams? Or I think no, no. I just saw totally her. Totally separate. She just walked by you. And I was like, 
who is that? And I chatted her up a little bit. <laughs> Very attractive. And then when did she, when did I find out? Was that, did she tell me that or did you tell me no, later? She, she came home and she told me, she goes, I, I, <laughs> like think, I think that guy, Jeff, that, you know, I think he just hit on me. I had no idea. She was, I had no idea she was your wife. I didn't no, know. I know. Like a full disclosure there. Yeah. You knew, you knew shortly thereafter. That was a pretty funny text chain. Oh no, I did get a, Oh yeah. well, I was informed. <laughs> yes. That was a good time. You didn't know any better. That was like 10 years ago, man. That was a long time yeah, ago. A long time ago. So since the shred, you were, weren't you doing some kind of propane thing for a minute? Like yeah, mobile we, propane? Yeah, we started the propane guys uh, during my time at shred. And I did that for about five years. And I've been out of that now. And it's still a local, thriving, operating business. And uh, the guy that took it over is doing an amazing job, doing better than I would have. So, so what are you doing now? You're just playing so, hockey? and. Yeah, playing hockey, talking on podcasts, hanging out with guys like Rick, and doing a lot of mountain biking. We've been trying to get this podcast for, I've been trying to get you for a while. It's been a long time. You're, you're one of the f- few people, we, we scheduled, like some people say, okay, I'll, I'll do it, oh, okay, and then, but we actually scheduled it out like three weeks. Yeah. He was like. This guy's a wild card. He was pump, gotta, yeah, pumping himself him up. So how do you know Rick? <clears throat> Rick and I were neighbors. Uh, we'd been neighbors for four or five years. Mm, maybe three. Okay. Three. Time flies. Yeah, time flies with, time flies with Robin. Robin. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Yeah, good times. I actually moved into the uh, neighborhood probably about three years ago, and that's right around the time I was actually prepping my run for Anchorage Assembly. Because you ran that's for a, Assembly this last uh, April. That's right. That's right. Against um, LaFrance, right? LaFrance, who's yep. now, now running for the – she, she – uh, they, they did a they, – they, what's it called? The, did a little the, swappy. The, a little swappy the, swap. Like the, the, the um, wrestling, you know. Yeah. Ta- she got tagged in for, that's right. That's right. against Kaufman now. Yeah, yeah. So she's in there. So, so you had got – what did you get, 40 – yeah, it was about a 1% margin. I lost by about 350 votes or so, 340-something odd votes. That's your first time running, That was my right? first time running for Anchorage Assembly, yes. And you were running, you were kind of the conservative yeah, uh, you know, candidate against, you know, Suzanne being kind of the more progressive candidate. That's right. Well, I mean, you know, people claim to be independent these days, and if you're going to be independent, I just expect that you would be independent. Well, the Assembly is different because it's truly, like, nonpartisan. There's no, there's no right. um, party affiliations, Mm-mm. so you have to kind of... Maybe even try harder to define that's right. um, your, yourself and your candidate, your opponent. You really do without having the letters. That's right. And and and, and the un, the unfortunate thing is that you're able to kind of masquerade masquerade in, in this nonpartisanship. But at the end of the day, when the majority of the assembly reflects a certain political bias, you know. You, you oh no, the assembly is hyper progressive. Hyper progressive. I mean, yeah. So and and I I feel at the same time that a lot of these seats are just kind of they're just placeholders. You know. So instead of actually getting in there. Um, debating, having real discourse, a lot of them are just, okay, well, we shouldn't be doing that. Are you going to run again? I'm going to absolutely run again. Yes. Uh, now, next year, there's no assembly race. It's just the mayoral. That's right. So the way it works for the listeners, if I think some people don't realize this, there's every two years, there's assembly seats up five and six. They mm-hmm. rotate. And then that's going to change because of that 12th member thing they passed. Yeah. But yeah. the third year is just the mayor. Yep. So we're coming up to just, and we're going to have a new mayor because... Uh, Ethan Berkowitz has two terms termed out, just like Sullivan was termed out in 15. Yeah. So now everybody's piling on. There's like eight or nine legit people have already filed. My goodness, everyone is entering the race. (laughs) Somebody was joking with me, and I was like, I'm not doing this. They were like, you should fucking hop in. Like, a lot of people know you. Maybe you just hop in. Just give it a go. Make it to the runoff. Yeah. Just don't even do anything. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for for whoever the victor is going to be in this race, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a popularity vote for sure. So Well, it's going to be just just like in 15, there was – um, you know, Hal Crow, Coffee, Amy, uh, I think there was a f- maybe one or two other kind of lesser known, you know, conser- conservatives. And then there was Ethan, really the only, you know, and then he got to the runoff against, it was Amy. 
I mean, that race got weird. Remember the incest and all oh, the, yeah. there was a the lot, weird yep. stuff? Skelts coming out, yeah. So, Robert, I wanted to ask you, and I didn't realize you guys were neighbors. I think you might have told me that. But you, um, shockingly, seven, eight years ago, you quit drinking, right? Yeah, it's been almost eight years. Because you used to, like, you know, you would you party? I mean, you'd have a drink. I mean, I know you would have a drink, right? Yeah, I'd party a little bit. And then one day I was, I think I asked you to get a beer or something, and you were like, oh, I quit drinking. This is, like, right after, I think, maybe you were a few months into it or something. Yeah, well, I think a couple kids and a, a full-time business and mm-hmm. another business on the side, I think that'll do it to you. Was it affecting you, or were you just, like, were you drinking too much, or were you just, I just want to stop drinking, period, or was it affecting you? Oh, absolutely, it was affecting me. I think I was incredibly uh, capable of keeping it under wraps when I needed to, but it was definitely something that, on a daily basis, uh, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't like the direction I was going. So was this, like, a couple drinks, or depending on the, like, a weekend, maybe? Oh, no, every night, and maybe a couple drinks to start, and then a few to finish, and really take it as far as you can every time. So it was something that went on for years and years and years, and I think at the point where I realized I hadn't gone to bed sober in, in you know, maybe five years, that's, that's a bad streak. You know, you got to prioritize uh, what's important in life, and I really needed to Was the focus. Was the wife kind of no, not at encouraging all. it? Or you no, just... no, she was supportive of me and has been this whole time. It's, uh, it's something she, you know, was a little bit aware of, but, you know, people that are addicts and people that experience it, they're good at hiding it from the people that are closest to them as well as everybody else. So about maybe five years ago, or I don't know exactly when, five or six years ago, I did the kind of no drinking in January thing. Yeah. And, you know... I don't drink a lot, but I will have a drink, you know, especially weekends or even if I'm home, I might pour a little bourbon sure. on, on the weeknight. Um, but I didn't drink in January and for the first couple of weeks it was kind of like, man, I really want to drink, you know, but mm-hmm. then after that I, I didn't really even think about it much. And then I actually kept not drinking in through February and I was about almost two months into it and I went to, it was some kind of holiday or like, I don't know, not holiday, it was after the holidays. It was like some kind of fundraiser or some political, I don't even know, it was a petroleum club. And I was there, and um, I was talking to some folks, and they were like, I have a beer, you know? And I told them I hadn't drank for a few months, and and I so I did. And it was so crazy, because, you know, that first sip, you feel like the last two months was just kind of worth, I mean, you're like, boom, that's it. And then you get back into it. Right away. But eight years, I mean, you probably don't even. Nope, don't miss it. Nope, many more things to do in life. How long did you, after you quit, were you were you craving it, or were you wanting to have a drink, or was it just you just kind of moved moved on from it? I think 30 days and 60 days were important. And I think once you get past 60, depending on your focus, it's not worth going back. Like you said, you take that drink and uh, you're right back at it right away. That's my take. Wow. And Rick, now you have, you have a drink, don't you? I do have a drink every now and again. In fact, uh, we did a kitchen remodel and I made sure to put some beer taps in my kitchen because I was like, you know what? I'm a liquid connoisseur type of guy. You mentioned that. You mentioned that. Yeah. 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 So good decision. I've got to come over. You're welcome to come over anytime. It looks nice. You'll enjoy (laughs) Can't wait. So now you guys, before the podcast, you were, you were talking about, you got some, some notes here, Rick. You got the, Oh yeah. You know, just try, just try to, you know, some some statistics, some data on, uh, on just kind of exactly what some men are kind of going through, um, during this whole COVID pandemic, you know, thing we find ourselves in. I think, uh, when we talk about what Rob kind of went through and, and, and an addiction and alcoholism is, is kind of easy for any one of us to find ourselves in today. I mean, they said um, when the thing started in March and April, 
they were saying, you know, alcohol sales have been up, I think it was a couple, 250% or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's an, it's incredible because I mean, there was a study done in March and it said that one in five adults had already reported some type of mental health due to COVID-19. And since then, another study was reported in mid-July and that KFF.org reported a study where 33% of adults were struggling with some type of mental health issue um, just during this whole process of of being quarantined. I I was in Juneau. And then the session ended pretty much after, you know, they ended early, 68 days. I mean, that's the, the, the new number is, is they can pass a budget in 68 days. Yeah. That's the number. Um, <laughs> if it's like number 150 or so. If there's a pandemic happening. Yeah, right. But so I stayed in Juneau because my condo here, my, my buddy's living there and his girlfriend moved in. So it was kind of like pretty small. And I was like, I'll just stay in Juneau. And there was a place I could stay at. And it got to the point where I was, I had basically almost no human contact for 60 to, I mean, almost two months. I mean, I'd go pick up some food or maybe somebody might come, you know, but it was like, you can't go to the bars. There's no cruise ships. There's nothing happening. You're not really, if you're watching TV, you're reading, you're drinking. It was, it got to the point where it was, it was starting to really, I wouldn't say affect me mentally, but I mean, at some level I was starting to feel really like weird about. I think it probably was at some level. I mean, it wasn't like a breakdown or anything, but it was just like, man, I'm just, you start to get really stir crazy and you, do. you get so, you get, you can't control any of this shit. So you're pr- yeah. frustrated. You want to, you know, go back to normal. You want to do what you do. You want to go yeah. with people. You want to go out and you can't do that, but you can't control any of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the unfortunate, th- unfortunate uh, thing throughout all of this is that we actually don't even communicate how we feel throughout this whole thing. So during this time when you're in Juno, during one of the worst uh, places to be during, you know, during the session, right. In order uh, to pass a budget, you're reporting on it. Um, now you don't get that social aspect. You're an extrovert. I'm sure you are. Right. So when you, when you need that as a Pope, Pope Catholic, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You, you kind of need, you need this, this community to bounce ideas off of, to be social. And for me, I'm a guy that, that needs an outlet to put my energy into. So I'm a, I'm a huge extrovert. Um, I, I actually refill and recharge my batteries through guys like Rob or, or through yourself, right? You, Jeff. So when we, when we talk about these things and we're a little bit more open, transparent and make ourselves vulnerable, we realize that we're just not alone in the fact that, yeah, we, we're probably a little bit quarantined off. We're, we're holed up in, in, in this room and it's actually debilitating our uh, mental health. Other thing that I realized when I was going, when I, I, you know, withdrew from the Senate race, but when I was running the summer, by the way, thanks Robin for the contribution buddy yeah absolutely wink wink appreciate that um i was knocking doors and one of the common things and this is summertime so it hadn't started yet but one of the biggest concerns i heard from folks it wasn't about the pfd it wasn't about the budget it wasn't about you know even what's happening in anchorage it was like what's gonna happen with my kids yeah and you know i'm not a parent you guys are both parents right so i have friends that are working and their kids are going on zoom and they're trying to man the the younger ones especially you know so that's a whole nother level of complication of this thing that that i don't really appreciate because i'm not a parent yeah. but i see my friends like people like you, your kids are older right your kids are no my kids are eight and ten but i Both mean they're, they're, they're not like five or six so yeah i don't have the don't have the super young ones yeah my daughter's five and, and my old my oldest will be nine here in the next week or two so are all your are, are your both your kids in, in school great school it, yeah, yeah. So are they, what are they doing? Like the remote thing now or? Yeah. What, what are your kids doing? It's an online learning from the actual school. So we stayed with the school with Anchorage School District and they have Zoom scheduled four days a week. They've got a day where they do what they call asynchronous learning and they're really on their own to work through lessons. But it's, it's been something that works okay for kids in that eight to 10, fourth, sixth grade range. But when you get younger, there's been a lot of difficulty. I think the other thing is, and, and this goes, you know, we've, I've had discussions on the podcast about, 
you know, there's all this talk of the systemic racism in this country and mm. institutional. I think there's definitely problems. I've always viewed it more as a, as, a, as a class issue. You know, people with money and resources are better off and their kids are better off than people without. And if you're a two-person family with incomes and, you know, maybe a nanny or an au pair, you can afford that. Compared mm-hmm. to if you're, you know, single parent or two struggling parents and you're having to work and now your kids are, you aren't going to get, those kids aren't going to get as much attention. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I agree. I think it's a classism thing, you know, it, it, depending on where you are, you know, in the social class and, and where you are, prosperity and resources. Um, I'm able to afford, you know, my wife's able to work from home. She's able to meet the demands of, of the current curriculum. Um, you know, we have resources to do these things. I, I couldn't only imagine. I grew up in a single family home. My mom, I mean, I was, we were pissed poor growing up. Um, we didn't have much. I grew up with two other siblings. I remember moving and transitioning from rental property to apartment, living in little two rooms for three kids and, and my mother. So when I look at what, what I kind of grew up through and what I became, it's really about what you do to empower yourself. I don't really see racism as being the problem in America. I, I find that we're not truly investing as much as we need to in our children. Um, for for starters, I think the I think there's a disproportionate amount of counselors to teachers in, in ASD. We should be focusing right now on giving our children an outlet with a non-biased counselor so that they can continue to talk about their issues. Because children, I can imagine being a teenager these days growing up in this time versus when we did. I mean, when we were teenagers, we were off to, we were able to run around the streets. We were able to do whatever we kind of wanted. Well, I, grew up in, I grew up in New Mexico. I mean, my buddy, we were in middle school. We used to go play in the arroyos and the ditches. Yeah, and we, we used right. to go in these construction, these big, you know, in the desert, the mesa. We They'd be digging We'd be in the tunnels, you know, shit. Yeah, <laughs> right? Doing, yeah. I, I, I don't ever remember my parents, you know, besides saying, hey, be home before the streetlights are on. You know, that that was the kind yeah, of... Yeah, I grew up in like, uh, kind of, you know, outside of Albuquerque in a kind of a, a suburb, I guess. But, yeah. you know, it was like cul-de-sac. It was single family homes. And it was like, you know, be home by nine. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you later. Especially in high school when I got my driver's, you know, then it was like kind of, my parents were pretty cool about just, you know, don't get in trouble and you're fine. Um, and, and now, you know, I, I look at some of these, I don't know, it's just, it's just different, different world, different world and this internet and this, you know, I, I the social media, I mean, I have friends with kids and they, they get in their phones and some of this, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, this stuff with like porn and all, it's just oh, everywhere. Man. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's you, yep. It is. And these kids and what they're, what they're saying to each other, these teenagers yeah. or even like high, middle schoolers. Yeah. I don't even know what to, if I would, like, I, I don't even know how to, how do you, how do you protect the kid? Cause even if you lock the kid down with the phone and all that. Their friends are going to have it. Yeah, they go on. They go on a computer. Yep, they're smarter than most adults are with this technology. Well, and then and then the more you protect your child, the more there's a there is a thought that you're a uh, helicopter dad. There's a, you know, well, there's a, a, yeah, like so and the kid might, uh, um, you know, uh, rebel too. Yeah, if they yep, feel yep. like they're locked down. Yeah, I had friends in high school that were, in, you know, uh, thinking of one specifically Mormon household, extremely locked down. The family was very traditional. It was just. You know, and, and some of the kids, when they got to high school, they just, I mean, especially college, they just totally lashed out. I mean, mm. they had never seen anything, and then they you know, drink and party and all of it. it yeah, it, it's unfortunate. And I don't know, how, you know, how, how your daughters, Rob, and, and your wife are, are handling it, but as men, you know, there is a there is a strong inclination for us to want to be the, you know, the gatekeepers, the, you know, the security system of, of our families. So during this whole COVID crisis going on, you feel the need to be able to work. And if you can't work because you're unemployed, 
you know, you're facing financial issues and hardships. And I mean, talk, with the with the academia system the way it is, with the unemployment market or unemployment market the way it is, with the job market, with everything that's happening, it's taking a toll on some of our most strongest and our, our most uh, our most successful men in the community who can really build it. And, and it's having its toll on women, too, uh, tremendously. There are a lot of wives right now trying to play both the role of teacher and, and, uh, and you know, uh, employer, manager. Uh, and that's my wife right now. And I, I can only give her as much kudos as I can because she's tremendous in this whole thing. So um, well, I think, you know, I'm, imagine like you were saying, you grew up, you know, single family with yeah. one or two or three kids and you got the job and the school. I remember I had a friend who was involved in Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Tremendous back, organization, going, by the way. Yes, going back years, and I'll never forget this. It was almost when I heard this, I couldn't even believe it. It was almost like you get emotional. He had a big, big little brother that he had uh, got hooked up with, and one day he took him hiking. He took him in, in like a, on a hike in the you know Chugach, mm-hmm. and they got it to where they were going. And the kid, and the kid grew up here in Mountain View, like legit was like born and raised here. And when they got up there, the kid was like, "This is amazing," and he's like, "I've never been here," and the guy goes, "Oh, this is like a you know." cool trail. He's like, no, no, I've never been to the mountains. Yeah. Well, I mean, imagine like that kind of two worlds we have. Well, well, and that's know, one and, of the and, gifts that we have here in Anchorage. And one of the things that I was actually blessed with, with this whole COVID crisis was that a, it was springtime. We had the sun coming back, warmth coming back to Anchorage, South central. And then we've all, for the most part, had the ability to get outside, to get space, to get air, and to feel what it feels like to still be human. Well, but there's a lot of places that are not as lucky as we are in that regard. A lot of people came back to Alaska, whether it's you know kids of uh, college age or people who are working or whatever, because just like you said, we are, we are way better off than, imagine if you're in Seattle or Chicago or New sure. York and you're in a building. Sure. It's brutal. So a lot of folks, there's also, I read an article, I think it was a Forbes or Wall Street Journal about how this whole thing is going to impact like how people decide to live their lives in the future. Yeah. And if you can work remote, you know, if you want to be in a place like Alaska compared to some city where you're stuck in a building yep. and you can't, you know, we're here, we can 30 minutes, you can be pretty much in the, you know, middle of nowhere. You're right. But there's also deep consequences of that. You talk about flight from cities, you talk about the real estate market, uh, commercial properties, um, the way we run our families, uh, the way schools operate. I think we've got a lot of things that this is going to shift and change and in a big way in the next few years. So you just moved downtown, right? Yeah. Because you used to have, you used to be up with Rick on this yep. South Anchorage. That's your 12th, that's your 12th man. That's right. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you're yeah, the 12th we'll guy. See. He's the 12th we'll guy for assembly. Because they, they, they passed the deal where um, they're going to add the, the yeah, they're right. going to, Remove the, the, the uh, single-member district. Yeah. That's going to be in uh, 22, I guess it'll come, because that's when redistricting happens, that's too. That's right. That's right. That's so, right. so, Rob, 20, 2022, right? Yeah, we'll see. I'll be there Forbes. long enough at that I'll, I'll, I'll be your first contributor, buddy. Perfect. Good. So I'll be second. My first phone call, too. I got you. So, you're you're uh, you're, you're like kind of millennial now, right? You're kind of going downtown. Like, why'd you go downtown? Yeah, that's we, a, uh, you know, that was surprising when I heard that. about. I didn't think you were well, a downtown guy. I was either millennial or 80-year-old. You know, we needed to be able to walk to everything. We didn't want to use our cars. And uh, we were just looking for a shift. We've always been, well, I grew up east side. I went to Bartlett, and then we were... Uh, east and southeast, and we were looking for something different. COVID came along, and we said, you know, we got to shift, and we're downtown. We're in the walkable part of town. It's what do you got, enjoyable. Like, a, like a condo? Or what do you have? No, we're renting a little house down near the lagoon, and it's uh, been it's been good. Uh, get out more, get out with the kids. You're right on the trails, and really with that whole live, work, play thing of Anchorage, uh, we're kind of living that lifestyle right now. What, Rick, when you when he said 
he was moving where you're like, damn, that's a cool neighbor. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was a bit disheartened. I was yeah, like, right. oh, you know what? You really want to move downtown, dude? Like, he went in town. He went back inside and toasted with his wife that we were leaving. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, who, who are the new ones? You got good new ones? I do have good new ones. They're just quiet. Quiet. Not Robin Forbes. Not Rob. Yeah, yeah not Robin. Ripping yeah. it up. Nope. Um, not doing it. So other thing I want to talk about, um, you know, we're all aware of this homelessness issue. Oh, yeah. Downtown, you probably see. Oh, yeah, we see a lot of it. A lot of that. Um, and we did our video. Actually, you did you sponsor that? Yeah, you sponsored our video. Oh yeah, last the homeless year. camps. The, yeah, the uh, this is Anchorage. Yep, incredible. That was, that was a year ago, and since then, I mean, that was almost like perfect timing for that video because that was when it was real bad. I moved here in '04, and I was you know you knew about you see homeless people with a sign, you see it, but it it just seemed at some point in the last three, four years, five, it just got it's you know, different, more visible, and maybe it was always there, maybe it was. Maybe it's more visible. I don't know. But we went to those camps and shit, like it's, ins- it's nuts. How it's like going back to the kid who lived in Mountain View and never went to the, there's like two worlds, you know, there's people who live in the same city and they're living in totally separate worlds. Well, to answer your question, you're right. It, it has changed in the last four or five years, but it's changed a lot since 1986, 1990, 1996. When you compare it to timelines further back, this is a new problem. This is not a problem that's been at this level over the last 20 years. It's something that we've got to deal with. And yeah, being downtown now, on the single track trails, on the bike trails, mm-hmm. all around uh, all around Bokey and Sullivan Arena, you see it a lot. A so lot do you worry more about your kids? You, you worry about your kids going out? or Well, you certainly don't go out by themselves. And honestly, yeah, it's at the point where I even worry about my wife going out by herself down there. Well, there was a couple, you know, a few months ago that one was attacked on the, the bog over there, which... which uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, you know where she was just walking her dog? And she yeah, was, was Connor's, dog. Connor's, Con- bog. Connor's bog. Connor's bog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a woman just attacked the other well, a couple of days ago. Yeah, right? I you saw were, that in the eighty. Yeah, I saw yes. that story. Yeah, bloody face. You know, just, and you know, we we go, we did our video. We were out in some of these places, and you know, needles right on the ground there, yeah. and you know, all you know, bags of human feces. And um, this is downtown. I think it's worse downtown. My, my impression was the further you get away from downtown, the more, um, the more kind of sufficient or autonomous people are. Maybe they're just kind of like I don't want to yeah. be in society, yeah. Yeah. but I'm, I'm I can take care of myself. Where yeah. downtown, it's more like. You have the Beans and the Brother Francis, sure. and, and those folks might have more, you know, mental health issues or yeah. addiction issues. And, it, and it's it, it really is unmistakably revolving around mental health. I mean, you you have to. I mean, it all roots from that. And I, I know a friend personally. We got out of the military together because that's what brought me to Alaska. I was in the army, got out in 2011. But this guy struggled with mental health, uh, struggled with you know post traumatic stress disorder, and he found himself in the streets of Anchorage. And I remember we were having coffee. I mean, just so nonchalantly at the steam dock in Midtown. And I haven't seen this guy in maybe a year or so. And we're sitting down. And he was in gang violence. He was uh, he was running around with organized with an organized gang, running running drugs into Anchorage. And he had literally told me, "You know, Rick, everyone in Anchorage is just living in their bubble, and they just don't want to see what goes bump in the middle of the night." And when you get out there and you start to have these conversations with people, you know that there's an underground element that has an agenda to poison the homelessness. I mean, they, they are keeping them hooked up on drugs and they're out there. Oh, there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's a criminal element in that, in that for sure. I mean, I saw it and, you know, we, we saw, you know, the, the in the video, the bike tires, the, the bike frames, sure. the generators, the tools, yeah. you know, and, yeah. uh, the propane tanks, it's Robin's old business, right? We, right. Saw, we saw that stuff and um, there, there's definitely, I mean, I drove a cab in 2009, 2010 when I was in co- graduating college. I drove a yeah. cab here in Anchorage and then I used to deal underground poker games and I'm you know familiar. There's a whole different 
There's a whole part of Anchorage that, that probably very, very few people ever experience. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, it starts at night and it goes till all, you know, morning. And there's drugs and there's there's gambling, there's prostitution. I mean, there's a whole thing here. And, and it sometimes it involves the people that you actually know best and that you have no idea and that are successful, you know. I never think you were dealing underground poker card games, but oh yeah, no, I, I moved to Journal Four. I went to I worked at Cal Worthington. I'm actually thinking of writing a book. I'm actually already kind of like, I've, I've more or less put it together. The concept. I got to start writing it. And I want to see if I can actually get somebody to. I don't know how this works. You got to find a publisher or somebody who wants to like. Is I don't interested. think you have to do all that anymore. Not well, just to be interesting. I, I, yeah, but I think to there. do it right, I'm trying to get. But but anyways, I'm going to call it um, uh, Russians gambling and cocaine. My first three years in Alaska. There's no Speedo in that title. I'm Speedo now I'm now I'm disappointed. Speedo didn't come till way later. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean I got into uh, I was I was playing um, cards. I was working at Cal Worthington, and there was a lot of ca- you know car dealer car salesmen I worked with, and they started inviting me to some of these private games at their houses. And then through one of the guys that was playing there, I got I got to hear about like another game, like mm-hmm. an actual underground game. And I go over there and play. It was a limit game downtown at this house, and I was young. I was like twenty twenty one or twenty and I didn't understand at the time it was a business. Like there's a rake, they take money out of each pot. You know, there's, yeah. a, it's, I didn't know that. So I'd win a lot. I would do pretty well. I always tip the owner. And one time this Greek guy, Steve, um, pulled me aside and he said, what the fuck are you doing giving this guy money? And I go, well, I appreciate you know, if I win 300, three, you know, 280 or 300, I give him 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever. And he's like, I said, I'm just appreciate the guys putting the game together. You know, he's like, this motherfucker's not doing this because he's, <laughs> you know, UNICEF here. Okay. He's, he's not a philanthropist. He's making money. Don't give him. So he, they end up starting their own game later with this other guy, this other Greek guy. And, and they kind of said, do you want to, you know, Hey kid, you want a deal? We need a dealer. I had no idea how to deal. And, and dealing sounds easy. It's not, it's not, I mean, you're dealing the cards. You have to count, you're having to count the pot. Oh yeah. Especially if you're playing um, you know, high, low games, you have to have the pot. You have to make it, you have to count it, take the rake. You have to, you know, and doing all this very quickly because players don't want to w- watch you do the to do this shit. No, way. they want the, card, the cards to come out. So, remember this Albanian guy, older guy, was real pissed off one day when I was big game and I was still learning. And, and the, the fucking guy got mad, mad at me and he and he threw a calculator at me. And I'm thinking about who carries a calculator around? <laughs> you know, like a real cal- real calculator. Oh jeez. Um, but then you know you start you, you're around this element of these people and it was all kinds of people, a lot of drugs flying around, a lot of alcohol. Fly- I mean, it was it was wild. Shippers, hookers, all of it, all night. Not really. I mean, there was women that would come. You know, not really. It was a gambling. I mean, there'd mm-hmm. be some people would bring. They players would come by. Some of these certain. You know, there was one guy who was kind of underground. He went to jail for a long time. Drugs. He'd come over with women, three or four women. You know, and play and. Um, it wasn't so much that. I mean, there were there would there would be you know there's girls that work there like you know floor girls they they. You know, get drinks, and there's people doing massage. You know, like mm. just like just like Vegas. You know, you want a massage while you're playing? They'll do that, sixty bucks an hour. I mean, it's a whole thing. It's still around. I mean, it's still it's as we speak. There's right near here. There's one. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and it's it's nothing. You know, I guess technically it's illegal. You know, illegal, but it's just people want to gamble. Yep. It's not nothing. You know, nothing really bad's going on. So I mean, and we're talking about gambling here in the state of Alaska, right? That's all. That's a conversation yeah, that's hopefully. been pushed forward. So Well, there was a bill last it didn't actually go anywhere. It didn't it was going to be introduced. It was a uh, legal legalized card rooms. So so not the full on casinos like Vegas or anything, but card rooms for poker and, you know, maybe I don't know if blackjack was included, but but cards um, you know, not not like roulette, not craps. Yeah. And um, you know, I got mixed feelings on it because on one side, you know, you, you you have all these people who are part of these games and they're working there and they're kind of at the whims of the the game runners, and there's no protections at all. Yeah. Um, but then if you if you you know you legalize it, just like marijuana or alcohol, like who who controls it, who gets the license, how does that becomes becomes um, 
there, there's an element of kind of who do you know? Yeah. Well, we need we need more industries, and and, and you know, in the state of Alaska with Anchorage, Matsu's growing. Um, you know, my my whole thing when I ran for assembly was look, we got to start working together to grow Anchorage. Like every Anchorage the assembly wants to think all about Anchorage. Oh, well, we shouldn't do this because we'll lose a population of Matsu. It's like, look, we got to work together with the Matsu and understand that we need to grow and we need a bridge and we need to start doing things. And, and like, I mean, corporate tax structure in the state of Alaska is, is highest as one in, I think one of the five States at what, 10% or so. So, I mean, how are we attracting new business, new ventures into this city? Well, the, the Valley is going to, you know, Anchorage has lost people. So next time when they redistrict here in 22, um, the Valley is going to gain, um, a legislative house seat, maybe maybe one and a half, half a Senate seat. So yeah. there's a shift happening, you know, yeah. where, and people are leaving Southeast. People are, I think the last two years, you know, Alaska overall has lost population. So we've lost, I think, 10,000 people in last year. And then there's a shift, you know, people yeah. going to the Valley, people moving out of Southeast. And um, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, on the end of the day, there's, there's, you know, there's competition of well, housing prices. That's right. You know, Economy, jobs. But, and, and as it should, like, Matsu is the place where, you know, you, you kind of, you have the Jersey and the New York City thing, right? You want to be able to maybe live in Matsu and do business in Anchorage. So it opens opportunities for redistricting in Anchorage, right? And just rezoning in general so that Anchorage can truly become the economic hub it needs to be, right? And and we're we're, we're, we're not there. We've got the airport. That's the one, you know, the airport. You see last... A few months, you know, Anchorage used to be the busiest cargo airport in the world, and then oh, yeah. these planes started getting bigger, and you know they could go f- go farther, and they mm-hmm. from Asia wouldn't have to stop over as much. But um, the last few months, there was a t- time where Anchorage was the busiest again busiest. cargo airport yep. in the world. Yep, there was a time. This well, is like, this, this, we got to keep it going. It's one bright spot. Yep, and 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 who's going to do that? It's guys like Rob, you know, entrepreneur, investor, small business, like people who are keeping the gears going, cranking. And uh, wanting to wanting to develop new things in Anchorage and, and be excited about it, you know. I mean, my goodness, the boom in just microbreweries alone brought so much excitement into Anchorage, right? I mean, every time I saw a brewery open, I was like, "Yes, like great! Mm-hmm. Like let's let's keep up with that innovation, that one, that culture change." Um, Robert, so, what, what do you think when you see a lot of these in the last you know six months, eight months? A lot of these assembly resolutions are you know very feel very much feel good. Yeah, you know, it's a waste of time. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of this stuff is happening. Yeah, what, what do you? You know, it, it really depends on which one. Um, but I think that anything that stems on there's, can, a, there's a one now about about um, uh, making hotels hire hotel. certain people yeah. If, yeah. if they got laid off, like forcing co- companies to, I guess, who they hire. Yeah, Re- well, it, it, I mean, it, for me, it just comes down to regulation. Um, you know, we're at the point where, as a small business, a small business owner operator. You know, somebody that's out there providing quality jobs to employees. The city, uh, I mean, we've got to get out of the way. If we want growth and if we want a modern economy, we've got to let people, we've got to let people do what they do and do it well. And take risk. Like, we have the permanent fund. I, I understand everybody's argument on the permanent fund, right? It's, it's ours. It's, you know, mineral rights. And I get the whole thing. Um, but at the end of the day, any accountant or any any person in financial industry would tell you money now is better than money later, right? And we have all of this money. We need to start investing into capital projects. We need to do stuff that builds. Well, they, they've, since the thing was created, they essentially took a policy of not putting money in Alaska because, you know, you start to slippery slope of like who's connected, who gets the money. Yeah. They, they, last year they, they did, they did start that new fund. I think it was $200 million mm-hmm. uh, for like it, investing within Alaska. But I actually, I, I, t- I tend to kind of agree with the first one because if you start opening 
that up, I mean, the cronyism and corruption just is rampant because we have a history of that in the state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Anonymous. going back to the 80s and a lot of money and a lot of fucking money got wasted, a lot of projects. And it's like somebody's got a silver. I mean, the whole change point. That was yeah. that fish plant. Yeah. You know, they got for the guy that, what's his name? The silver tongue guy convinced him, eight to 50 million. And, you know, nothing ever, no fish were ever Never. sold. It was supposed to be these high end kind of fish yeah, uh, pre-packaged frozen yeah. fish product, yeah. And now they now it's a church, and they got it for I think they they, I think they got it for twenty million or something. So they they lost thirty million dollars, and I'm I'm you know that money should be used, if it can be you know for for things in the state. But I'm I'm very and the other thing is this capital budget. You know we used to people talk about cut the budget, cut the budget. The budget's been reduced from mm-hmm. almost eight billion dollars capital operating in twenty thirteen fiscal twenty thirteen to now it's about four and a half, which is no capital. It's a hundred million dollars. Used to be two billion. Yeah. which is too much because there's all the money. But, you know, cut the budget, cut the budget. There's no capital budget. There's no projects. Projects mean jobs. And, uh, you know. Yeah, but Jeff, I mean, where do you where do you see us going out of this? Because you're right. I mean, we have cut. We've cut a lot. We've cut. We haven't cut enough. We don't have a lot left. And, and with COVID and everything else going on, I certainly don't see a rosy horizon as far as uh, new revenue streams. When I was running, what I told folks, I said, look, you can reduce spending a little more, I think. But... I mean, the reality is, and these, there's people out there who say, oh, it's all facade and it's a creative accounting, and it's not. I mean, it's there's not. there's money we spend every year and it's accounted for, and, and the operating budget in 2013 was almost, it's like $5.9 billion. Now, it, now it's like four point, a little, little less than 4.5, it's like 4.4. So that's been cut by a billion and a half, right? I and mean, this is... Yeah, but what I would say, Jeff, is you said $5.9 million in 2013. What was it in 2011? What was it in 2009? And, well, that's operating. And, 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 and but... Why did we ever get to that point? So what happened was the price of so in two thousand in the early late nineties early two thousands we had the exact same problems we have today. The price sure. of oil was down. Mm-hmm. There was a fiscal policy caucus created in the legislature. I actually have the report, which is identical to what's happening now. There's spending, there's permanent fund, there's revenues. I mean, this is kind of what. So they they were freaking out about this, and th- there was a vote. Remember, there was a vote on the permanent fund. Yeah. And um, what happened was this happened in the late eighties when the economy crashed. Gulf War happened, the price of oil went up, we got bailed out. In the mid-2000s, late 2000, you know, the price of oil went up. Yeah. It went up to 150 for a minute. And there was a windfall. They passed ACEs, which was, there was a progressivity element that they didn't really anticipate having super high oil prices. There was a big windfall. And when you have that much money, I mean, fuck, the, the spending goes up. Yeah. Yeah, but just because spending went up when you had all that money doesn't mean that that $5.9 million and we've cut down to $4.4 you know, 4. 4 that... That our baseline of five point nine was inflated. Oh no, drastically. No, that, 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 so, was, that was a high. Yes, that was. So, a, so, but my point is to say that we've cut one point five from the five point nine to the four point four, and that we can't cut anymore. I think that's we're, it's we're, a little we're, disingenuous. We're we're uh, we're we're at basically a historic um, kind of average levels of spending right now. Okay, that's what we're, if you look at inflation going back. I mean, we're not spending all like crazy high money right no. now. And if you look at what happened last year when Governor when Dunleavy tried to reduce it by a Billion. I mean, you saw what happened. I mean, it wasn't like certain things. I mean, it was like actual the university, the ferry system, like healthcare, education. People started to f- feel the effect. And then sure. not, we're not even talking capital budget. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have a two. I heard, that's how crazy it was in Juneau years ago, 10, 10 years ago. This is how nuts it was. And this is giving you an idea of the culture. The revenue revenue forecast came out at the end of session. And it was way up because the price of oil was up and all this stuff was happening. So they run down to the bars and they get the staff and they go, oh my God, each, each office has another million dollars. Hurry up, go spend it. Come back and spend it. Yeah, I mean, b- b- before the budget gets you know, passed. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine now we're like, we're like looking for money everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, 10 years ago, and now the money, we had 16 billion in savings in the bank. We had 16 billion in two accounts. 
Now it's below a billion. Yeah. And, and when you talk anchor school district, federal money, military spending, state spending, when you get a bucket of money, that's it. Spend it. That's all. That's all you know how to do. End of the day, you know, when you have money like that, people want projects. Yep. People, you know, it's easy to say yes. It's hard to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, next session is going to be really, really fascinating because the only money we have left is in the earnings reserve, what we can spend, and you don't want to spend that down. Because yeah. because then you're really screwed. I mean, we have you know we have ob- pension obligations, healthcare obligations, education obligations. Um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting because well, a lot of folks. They're talking about that dividend. And yep. and in, in order to, you know, get past all this COVID stuff, it's going to take some risk. So, you know, however we however we leverage the PFD, whether it's leveraging it towards investment, right, and matching risk or um, or, or driving down certain costs, we, we need to make sure that we're constantly being innovative and, and creating a better market here that's, you know, equitable to They can get really loose and they can start buying, like, you know, they can start, like, uh, Trying to do some arbitrage and go get in the bond markets and trying to play some yeah. play some games, try to leverage that money up. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. The underground poker deal. <laughs> yeah, get started. You know, yeah, there you go. So I, I did a podcast with uh, Angela Rodell last year. She's the head of the permanent fund. Yeah, and uh, she used to be the revenue commissioner. She's like a Wall Street person, and um, they were talking about that new fund they spun off for the in-state in stuff and. I was like, uh, "You guys looking for like a media outlet in your in your uh, portfolio?" And she's like. No, we're not. <laughs> Somebody was telling me that, you know, it's everything's hindsight, right? But in the 80s, um, the, 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 the treasury bond market was crazy. They were, like, yielding, like, 10% on yeah. these T-bonds. Like, nuts. Nuts. So if they were to just put all the money in, like, T-bonds in the 80s, we'd be doing, like, very well. really good right now. That's right. Because T-bonds, what are they, a couple, per, 2%? Percent? I mean, they're low. Yeah, very. But, but there was this period of time where these tre- treasury bond yields were very high. Yeah. And that's hey, that's what we got to start doing: investing, 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 investing. We got we got some uh, we got a lot of challenges, and uh, it's not going to be easy the next four or five years for sure. If anyone's thinking, hey, this is going to be, you know, smooth smooth driving, it's going to be pretty bumpy. So you folks so. are both, both thinking you're going to run again in 22. I'm thinking I'm going to. I think I'm going to. I'm not going to go ahead and say what I'm. We're not, we're not declaring. Just yeah, but we're you know. Yeah. I'd love to see a Robin Forbes. Man, that'd be that'd be that'd be aggressive. So yeah, I'd love to see it too. I would. Yeah. Would you, would you, hey, wait, oh, well, last thing I want to ask you is the hockey thing. What? So I did a story a few months ago. I got, somebody sent me an email. It was like when they were doing the Dempsey Anderson, you know, to the homeless thing, converting it. And I played hockey, not as much, but yeah. I played a little bit. And you know, those urinals never worked. No. We and got it, a new bathroom now though. But as soon as they turn, like, look, it's great. They fixed them, but sure. it's like the people who are using and paying and, 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 and actually like using the facilities for what they're meant for and paying money. They never fixed those fucking urinals. And as soon no. as they converted it into a homeless <laughs> shelter, the urinals magically got fixed. I mean, it just seems to me like, it just seems very backwards almost. I mean, I'm glad they got fixed. I'm not saying they shouldn't have sure. fixed them. Yeah, they needed to do it. But they needed to do it based on the operating revenue brought in from the hockey leagues and the, the kids' hockey that have ultimately supported the rinks for the city forever. I mean, right now there's a big, last, last two weeks ago, there was the hockey kind of protest. I mean, they're, the Bokey yeah. and the Dempsey. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, we were there. So I'm. Mean, what's 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 the hockey? Because you're very involved in the hockey community. Yeah, they're so. back. They're back open, and the hockey community was certainly a little upset from the prospect that we would lose essentially three sheets of ice out of the five that we've got in Anchorage that we can use for our kids programs, adult league hockey. There's a lot of things the rink supports, and to have those taken back from the muni and and turned back into homeless shelters again for the winter would be a devastating. Blow. I mean, how, how important it is for we're a hockey. I mean, this is a hockey culture here in Alaska. It used, it used to be. I hope you know? we can keep it that way. All my friends grew up here. They all play. That's why I started because I was like, yeah. "Shit, I got to learn." 
Well, I guess I'll play goalie, which is yeah. which is fucking hard. Difficult. <laughs> and, and and you know, going back to hockey rinks and things, you know, recreational for our kids. I mean, when I ran for assembly, that's what I was I was focused on. Like, let's give back to the people who are who truly invest into Anchorage. You know, we're doing so much now for just for for people who don't want to contribute, and and there's some hardworking families that we are driving away from this great city. It's super I had, unfortunate. I, 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 had a, I had a good friend. I just moved. Yeah. Exactly. They just said, yeah, we're just kind of done. That's happening a lot right now. And when, and when do we say stop? You know, when do guys like we jump on this podcast and say, look, enough is enough. Like we can, we can go ahead and do things um, smart and, and intelligently and and being fiscally responsible in mental health centers. But at the end of the day, why are we driving public resources or, or, or Sullivan arena? You know, the debt was paid by the Muni for the Sullivan arena, right? I mean, at the, just before this COVID, I don't know how much they funded a million dollars of it left over. Or three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, but mm-hmm. at the end of the at the end of the day, we need to make sure that there are resources and things that we are putting back into the community for those that are truly invested. And that's a lot of business, it's a lot of families, um, it's guys and, and women in, in general. So I, I think the um, the next mayor is going to set a tone for for the you know for the direction of the city. I really believe that. I mean, okay. the mayor is going to. And if it's a conservative, and that's what the thing that frustrates me is Bill. I like Bill Evans. You know, he's a friend yeah, of mine. Yeah, go back, yeah. great guy. You know, he was on and the Bill. assembly. Yes, he, he's he's somebody who's conservative guy, but he's he's not he's not a zealot. He's not an extremist. He's not. And I thought I was like kind of hoping they would just Bill would be, but now you got Mike Robbins and you got this Bronson. So um, now you have this rift within the the Republic, and then yeah. you have a lot of you have a lot of progressive folks. So you have no idea who's going to be Aircroft, Dunbar, this guy George Martinez. You got um. Uh, the the municipal uh, oh my gosh I'm forgetting his name the municipal oh Falsy Falls Bill Falsy um you know so you, it's like a it's a crapshoot of because yeah. we have a, a top two runoff unless somebody gets forty no way somebody's getting forty five yeah. and 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 Bill jumping into the race Falsy it's like it's the carry it over agenda I mean you know I mean it's the same thing I mean people don't I, mean, I know George love George think he thinks he's a great guy you know he but he worked in the mayor's office uh-huh. so so what comes with that you know what kind of what are we going to see carried over in, into the next uh, George is his own guy um but don't get me wrong I, I like Mike I like Dave I, I like Bill I actually supported Bill initially for his race when he came out I said hey I'm behind you um we need it. We need someone who's going to be practical, but also relevant. And and with Bill Evans, um, the thing is, is the guy was a previous veteran. He was also a, a, a police cop, officer. Cop, yeah, I've, done cop. A, I've done a few podcasts with Bill. We've had really yeah. good talk, discussions with Bill. Yep. And he and he's in law, so there's a lot of things that he understands, and he's and he's very relatable. So um, I, I just hope that Anchorage gets out and understands I mean, how important it is. What's going to happen is the new the new mayor is going to you know set a tone. But 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 no matter who wins, yeah. you're still going to have um, the same assembly. Mm-hmm. So even now they have even if a really conservative, let's say if Bronson, or the most conservative guy, were to get elected, um, you know they've basically got a veto-proof assembly. You, you need you know if you veto something, it's eight to override. Yeah. So so there's that tone, but then really the, the second phase is what what happens with the assembly in 2022. Exactly, and that's that's my concern. Is that a mayor jumps in? I mean, how much influence and impact is the mayor going to make with these well, current assembly makeup? There, there's America can do quite a bit, yeah. You know, but 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 they're limited to how much they can do by, by the assembly. I mean, with Sullivan was, you saw the AO thirty seven. Remember that whole yep, thing? I yep. mean, that that was was insane. That's what we see. Know? We see a lot of what's happening now because you know because of the pent up aggression of of what happened in AO thirty seven. Yeah, I mean, and well, that's a, the unions mobilized. They activated and they got they got to work right. And and to be fair to Ethan through all this too, it's not like a new mayor is going to come in and fix all this. He's been dealt a pretty difficult hand this last. Yeah, year. I mean, I, I think there's it's, no doubt about it. I think there's plenty of 
places to criticize Ethan, but I mean, he, he took over um, you know, at a time when the, there was not a lot of police. There was an issue with police, number of police. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this whole, the earthquake happened. I mean, the COVID, I mean, all these, you know. One punch after the other. It's, it's not like an easy, you know, no. kind of mm-hmm. clean, clean ride. Yeah. Well, we've the, had a bumpy ride here altogether. I mean, even when he took over in 15, that was when the price of oil crashed, and then the, the states having less uh, revenue sharing for this. So there's a you know hundred different things that it's not, not easy. I think he gets criticized. Anybody gets criticized a lot who's governor or mayor, and it's not, it's hard, man. Think about these decisions you have to make every day. So who's the horse? Who do you put your money on then? For the assembly rate or for the mayor's race? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. man. I, you know what? Honestly, it's such a, we don't even know who's going to run yet. I'm sure, more people <laughs> I'm sure are there's get 20 in. other people who are going to jump so, in. Yeah. And who, who might get out, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I like Bill Evans. I, like you said before, he was on the assembly. He was a former military guy. He's a cop. Yep. He's a lawyer. He, pra- he he understands. He has a grasp of these issues, um, probably like nobody else, really. Yeah. And um, but it's hard to say. You know, you have to get forty five percent to to win outright. Yep. And they used to be fifty. Yeah. But uh, but Begich got a little, uh, a little clever you, back in the day. You know, the, like you said, we talked about earlier, the assembly and, and the mayoral race being nonpartisan. What do you think about, you know, there's other very progressive cities in America that go towards primaries. I mean, we have literally so many people running in the mayoral race right now. Do you not, well, essentially, not think we, maybe we should go towards primaries? We essentially do have a primary. I mean, it's a top two runoff. Yeah. So if nobody gets 45%, then they go to an instant runoff. It's top runoff. two. So, I mean, we essentially do have a top two primary with the, the mayor's race unless somebody... You know, in, in eighteen, for example, it was just it was just Rebecca, Logan, and Ethan were the main people, so yeah. there wasn't a lot of people. And Ethan, he, he got more than forty five. But um, when when there's a new mayor, like we have this next time, mm-hmm. there's usually people you know jumping in like nuts, and yeah. uh, you, you go to the runoff. That's what happened in fifteen with Amy Domboski and, and Ethan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he used to be fifty, fifty plus one. Now it's forty five plus one. Woo, you're Robin. He's like, maybe I should hop in. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, it's been a great podcast. I love love doing this and got kind of the, it's like the bro, the broadcaster. It's good. Bit, right? Wait, you got to, yeah, we should uh, do this maybe a couple months every you kind of check in and, and see what Anchorage and Alaska becomes over the next uh, few months, especially up towards the MA. I love it, man. I'm, I'm, eventually, I want to start doing video. Same thing with, you know, with video. I'm not too good looking, so I well, you're bald, audience. so we got yeah, that going. We'll, yeah, bald and beard. <laughs> Robin over here. You, you lose, I'm you, going bald. I'm going bald. How much weight did you lose? I lost about 25 pounds. He used to be a bigger, I mean, yeah. you're, you're not big at all, but you used to be like, you look thin, man. You okay? He does. He's in shape, I'm though. great. You I'm great. <laughs> thanks, Jeff. That was amazing. Thanks for, I'm like, thanks, thanks, you. thanks for your concern. Appreciate <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Rick Castillo, Robin Forbes. Um, been great. Well, yeah. we'll do another one of these. Thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. All right, all right folks, if you want to do a podcast or have an idea for a podcast, uh, get a hold of me. Stay tuned for the next one. Landline.